All right. And welcome once again, one and all, to another edition of the Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk with your hosts. I am Rick Hale. He is the man who is definitely not bringing sexy back, Stephen Lancaster. <laughs> both authors, both ghost hunters. So on today's show, we got an a we got a uh, I don't want to owe Stephen another five dollars. So we have an outstanding show. Does that count? That'll work. I mean, you could use that one once. Okay, so because here at the Shadow Initiative, we crave the rolled up newspaper, we're going to be dealing with a topic that is really taboo, um, and that is religion and the paranormal. Uh, we're going to be talking about the three big religions. We're going to talk about Christianity, Judaism, and Islam, and where it is that they come from, or I should rather say come down on when it comes to ghosts and spirits and, and that kind of stuff. And it it actually surprise you and then we are going to check out the ancient ram inn in england for ghost watch creature of the week is going to be tied in with news of the weird and they're trying to bring an animal back that has only been gone for not even 100 years and that is the tasmanian tiger the thylacine right here on the shadow initiative paranormal talk Some real life Jurassic Park shit is going down. It's yeah, going it down. Is. Actually, they're looking at bringing back several species, some long dead, some recently dead. So uh, we're going to take a look at that as well. Um, so, you know, Stephen, before we get onto our, you know, our topics and segments and everything, there is something that I want to talk about. Okay. Okay, so I sent this to you earlier, and I found this at uh, the Spooky Stuff with Alex Matsuo. I, um, she is, um, I, I do respect her as a researcher and an investigator, and she's always been very nice to me. But she put something on her page that kind of, you know, it kind of bugged me a little bit. So I, I kind of want to discuss that. So I'm just going to read this. It's a meme or a tweet from somebody. It's not from her, but from somebody else. It says, I will never understand the 30 plus year old investigators. I, I think that they meant like the people who have been doing this us. kind of research and investigation. They yeah. meant us. <laughs> old dusty dudes like us. Yeah. Okay. That accuse newcomers of being posers. You don't really love the paranormal while growing up as much as you claim. Because if you did, You'd marvel at how accessible it all is now. Gatekeeping does not make you edgy. So, okay, now I, I get it that there are going to be some, you know, old and dusty guys out there that are going to be like, you know, this is not the way you do it. You have to do it this way. And then they're, you know, trying to tell younger investigators, you know, what to do and how to do stuff. And 
But at the same time, I think that a lot of like newer, like newcomers and newer investigators, they tend to be a little bit, you know, oversensitive to it. And here's why. Because I want to take this from a different perspective, Stephen. I want to look at this in a different way. What if old and dusty dudes like us, we're not really gatekeeping. We're just trying to teach something, impart ah. some kind of wisdom and how it could be done this way and not necessarily the way you see it on television. Okay. So, I mean, already we're told that as you know, us old guys and, and, and older women that have been involved in this for a long time, we really don't have much to offer. We're not getting all these sweet TV deals. We're not being asked to speak at Paracons because let's face it, we're old, we're fat, and we're most certainly ugly. And nobody see, wants to hear from us and nobody wants to listen to us. See, but that's not why. Yeah, you you can put you can spin the uh the glamour aspect of it mm -hmm. all you want. But the the real reason we're not um in demand for these conventions or these TV shows is because we've got nothing to offer for that clientele, for that for that style you know we don't fake evidence i'm sorry gonna, we we're not frauds we're right. not frauds so yeah of course we're not going to be at these things of course we're not going to be invited to these things because we are not the guys that are going to get up there and be like yay good job zach baggins you're really making this scientific you're contributing a lot to paranormal science now i think um the person if you really analyze that post Mm -hmm. there is a narcissism to that post really explain there's some narcissism and there's also some idiocracy okay and the biggest one and 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 something i can't stand in most people is it's presumptuous right okay so what's the last part of that uh little slogan say gatekeeping does not make you edgy okay what's the part before that um you didn't really love the paranormal while growing up as much as you claim because if you did you'd marvel at how accessible it all is now oh we're marveling okay we're marveling we're marveling at the sideshow it's fucking become right we're i'm sorry you're asking us to embrace this joke that has become the paranormal field because of your precious TV shows and mm -hmm. these fly by night actors or wannabe actors who auditioned to be a paranormal investigator. All of a sudden you're putting all your stock in that person. I'm sorry. There is nothing for us to revel over. We're avoiding it. We're, we're not out there supporting you guys because we don't support that bullshit. So don't don't be presumptuous and say, oh, if we really love the paranormal, we would be embracing this bullshit, bullshit, right. because right. we love the paranormal. We're not embracing that. So several years ago, I, I think it actually probably was about the time that uh, Facebook had come, you know, had come out. And I think it was like in 2009 or 2010, whatever, when I first got my Facebook page and I put something on there talking about this kind of thing, you know, and I think like Zach was just really starting to come up and, you know, Ghost Hunters was already, you know, like a huge hit and everything. 
And I actually got an email from a young woman who was, I think she said in the, in the email, she was like 18 or 19. So I'm already, I'm almost, I'm, I'm well into my thirties now. And I had already done my investigation several years before. So she said that I'm a dinosaur and that I don't know what I'm talking about. And I, how did she word it? I'm trying to remember. God, I wish I still had this email. She's like, you are a dinosaur and you're not on television. So you don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) So I wrote back to her and believe me when I say this, this is not my proudest moment, Stephen, but it needed to be said because this was a person that really came at me hard and I don't deal with that kind of thing very well. So I said to her that by the time you were born or no, by the time you were shot out of your dad's testicles, I had already had several investigations under my belt. So don't come with him to me and tell me that I don't know what I'm talking about. See, and I think that that's what you get with a lot of these newer investigators. They don't believe in sitting under the tutelage or mentorship of somebody that's been doing this for a while and that's willing to teach. I mean, let's face it, Stephen, we don't have it all figured out. We are not experts in this. We still have much to learn ourselves, but old schoolers like us, we still matter and we still have something to teach. Like I wouldn't know, I wouldn't know what the hell I was talking about unless I had read books by people like Hans Holzer or, um, you know, Peter Underwood or Brad Steiger, who is, who I had a, uh, opportunity to, um, talked to before he passed away, which was like one of the greatest things of all time. Um, he actually said to me, he's like, wow, I've done a lot of shows, but you're a guy who really knows what you're talking about. So to hear that from Brad Steiger was like, wow, cool. You know, I did, you know, geek fanboy there thing. But um, yeah, I think that that's what you get with a lot of newer investigators there. They're not willing to listen. They want to get their education from uh, blog posts or from Facebook posts or from Instagram or from television shows. And it's like, yeah, there's some really good stuff out there, but you have to use your discretion. And in, in, in the end, man, I mean, in the end, it's all going to come back to the people who weren't a part of this TV community. It really is. Cause like we've said before, there are two sides of paranormal research. There's the fake one that everybody idolizes on television, the entertainment aspect of it. And then there's the real one. And that's the one that we fall in. You know, the, the actual research that some of us are trying to contribute to, to paranormal science and others are just doing it for their own satisfaction or their own deep rooted reasons. But it's funny when you read comment, when you sent that to me, it's just like, yeah, no shit. We're not embracing today's world of the paranormal because a, it's not a real world of the paranormal. Right. We don't, we don't do that, but that was a good way to start the show. I am Stephen Lancaster, author and ghost hunter. And as always across from me, Rick Hale, author and ghost hunter who I've learned many things from. Just about every time he busts out a ghost watch, I'm learning something new. You know, that's 
like Rick just alluded to earlier, we don't know at all and we never will. It's it's an ongoing learning process. But as Rick said at the at the top of the show, we've got a lot going on this episode. It is jammed pack, as Rick likes to say, tighter than a virgin on prom night. So I have never said that. (laughs) You sure? I'm pretty sure that's you, buddy. Oh, is it? I'll have to double check. I'll have to double check my sources on that one. Checking notes. Stephen Lancaster. <laughs> so, with that being said, Rick, which direction do you want to go? Up, down, left, or right? Well, you know, since I said at the top of the show that here at the you know Shadow Initiative we crave the uh, rolled up newspaper, and we're probably going to get it for the gatekeeping stuff. I'm sure. Um, you know what, Stephen? I, I just got to tell you something. I love after we do a show. And I found that I've lost friends on Facebook. Yes, dude. It's so gratifying. It's like, you know, it's like sitting. At, I, I don't know. It's like, okay, here's another notch in the bedpost. Yes. You know, it, it's it's awesome. It's a very gratifying feeling, man. But with that, we're not. That's the only thing uh, we've got. Uh, quite some topics here, man. That's going to piss some yeah. people off and I can't wait to do it. So. Get Absolutely. Us, get us going. <laughs> so, if we already haven't pissed off enough people. Um, so here's what I got. So I saw this thing on a thing on a group page. It asked, you know, how does religion play a part in your research and investigation as a paranormal investigator? So, of course, I wrote back, not at all, because it doesn't. I'm not a religious person. One bit. I know you're not a religious person. But I was brought up as in, in a uh, somewhat religious household. I was, you know, kind of first started my life off as being Catholic. And then suddenly everybody in my family started getting born again. Um, but the thing that was always at odds with me was, is even though I tried doing it, obviously it didn't take, um, I never lost my interest in this because I have seen those things but I've never seen the work of God. Not saying that God doesn't exist. I've just never seen it, never seen God more or less. So, but it is something that does need to be discussed. And, you know, I kind of wanted to talk about the big three religions and where they come down on, you know, issues like ghosts and spirits and spirit communication. Great story. Great show, guys. Thanks for hanging out. We will be back again next week. I was pausing to get what you to hear oh. what you had to say. Oh, fantastic. I'm not used to that. Anyway, <laughs> don't believe anything he says, folks. He's so full of shit. Most of the time. Yeah. Fact of the matter is, honestly, and I know what you know what I'm going to say. That question that you asked shouldn't it it shouldn't even be a question it doesn't belong here Mm -hmm. it does not belong here okay i'm not disparaging any any religion if you want to believe what you want to believe believe it make yourself happy that's all i want man just be happy and leave me alone you know but don't come to my door at 12 o'clock in the afternoon yeah right don't be sending me shit about the gospel i don't want it but You can't, I've said it before, Rick, you can't Mm -hmm. take something that hasn't been proven to prove something that hasn't been proven. Sure. You know, religion, uh, deities, this fairy tale in the sky, whatever you want to call it. 
um, has not been proven. Okay, you can't say, well, let's take what God says or let, let's take what this religion says and put that into a paranormal investigation because you're using something that's never been proven to try to prove something that's never been proven. And that's right. basically what it boils down to. So you're going into a bias, which you should never go into an investigation that way. If you've got any personal ties to it, any personal feelings, you shouldn't be involved in that investigation to begin with. And I know that pisses a lot of people off because there's a lot of archbishops out there that are making quite quite the uh, salary on feeding their bullshit and, and doing these fake exorcisms and all this other shit. You know, it's it's just like the the fraud psychics and the snake oil salesmen on the TV shows like Zaki. You know, you're using all of this stuff that has no credibility to it. I think people often confuse before I turn this back over to you. I think they confuse opinion and belief with fact. And they couldn't be further apart in definition. Correct. But be believing in something does not make it a fact. That's just something you believe in. That doesn't yeah. mean it's real. You know, that doesn't mean it's for us with ghosts. Right. That doesn't mean it's true. However, the ghost hunting community, the paranormal research community can at least offer up audio files, video files, personal experiences, you know, things that can be analyzed, you know, towards our purpose in this field. Religion, you can't do that. It's just one person's word over the other, you know, so you can't, you just, I mean, if people, they're going to do it regardless, if they want to involve religion in it, there's nothing that's going to stop. I am. I, I am not the kind of I, I am absolutely a person of choice. If that's what you want to do, that's what you want to do. But here's the problem be, before I get into, you know, like the notes and stuff, you know, breaking the big three religions down. Um, people do bring their religious beliefs into this. And if there is a spirit that is being unpleasant and unfriendly, they immediately say, that's a demon. And we see that a lot in a lot of the television shows on like Discovery Plus or on, uh, you know, uh, um, Paraflix, which is, you know, the dollar store version of Discovery Plus. And um, I was hoping to get a laugh out of that because I know you like that one. But, um, you know, it, it is brought into it. And just because something is unpleasant, I mean, Stephen can be very unpleasant at times. I don't think he's demonic. Well, <laughs> cat's out of the bag. But, you know, Rick, you know, I, I cover myself in a way. Thank God. You know, in, uh, you know, back when I ran the pit crew, mm -hmm. the pit crew was assembled the way it was assembled for a reason. You know, you had your former law enforcement, your former military uh, nurses, people involved in the medical field, school teachers. Uh, electricians, carpenters, aviators, you know, pretty much any individual that could bring something to the table that I could not. Okay. That also brought in this investigator was Catholic. This investigator was Baptist. This investigator was Wiccan, you know, and I was fine with all that because it brings different perspectives to a case. 
And and I, I there was a case specifically in Spring Lake, North Carolina, um, which I, I've been trying to get this book finished on this case for quite some time. Um, I'm just having some legal issues because of the nature of it. But uh, this was a case where the family was very religious and um, they believed that we could take salt surround the house and it would solve their problem. Mm -hmm. That's what they believed. My head investigator, Alan asked me, he goes, what do you think, man? And this was well after we investigated it a dozen times, you know, and and it was certainly very, very active. This is the, the, the case. um, I don't know if you've ever seen the clip of me and Alan walking up in an attic or, and when he opens that attic door, all you hear is this choir of screams come from the attic. Yes. You remember this? Okay. That's this case. Yes. That's this case. Very dark, dark case tied to a real life, true crime story. And that's the issue I'm running into with the book Um, is getting certain people to sign off um, without having to alter their names and personalities so much. It's not even true to the story. You know, I'm trying to keep it as true to it as possible. But anyways, regardless that's what this family wanted all through this house were crosses, people of, you know, uh, photo uh, paintings of Jesus, whatever. Um, that's what they believed in. And that's fine. So in order to make them comfortable, you know, because I made it clear, we can't make this go away for you. Yeah. You know, we, we just are validating the fact that this is what's going on. You're not crazy. That's what you wanted. That's why you called us, but making it disappear. Nobody can do that. Okay, I don't care what they tell you or, or how much they're going to charge you. They cannot make this stuff disappear. But they believed in the salt thing, you know, the bindings type stuff, which I found kind of odd, you know, being a Christian and kind of going down that road. Mm-hmm. And, and that to me sounds like it just uh, fucking derived from something they saw on TV. But yeah. regardless, long story short, Alan said, you know, if it fucking makes them happy. Let's just fucking do it. So we went to store after store, found the the correct type salt. I think it was sea salt. If I remember correctly, this was fucking 12 years ago. And uh, we surrounded the house and left. And then that made the client happy that we did something to stop it, you know, and a month later they moved. So, and, and the place has been vacant ever since, but, you know, I didn't have a problem with it because what's it hurt? If, if right. that makes them feel better and that's what they want us to do, that's what we'll do. I don't believe in it, but the important thing is that they were satisfied with what we did there. And I have no issue with that. When 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 clients say they want to bring in a priest, you know, or, or this, that, or the other, I have no issue with that. I'll get, I can offer you what I offer. What See, you want to like, do with it after that is up to you. Right. When it comes to clergy or whatever, I am, um, I, I, I will just tell people straight out. It's like, Hey, I'm not a religious person, but if there is something here that might be inhuman and I've never come across anything like that. I've you know mentioned that several times on the show, I would say, Hey, look, you know, talk to your clergy. If you're Jewish, talk to a rabbi. If you're a Muslim, talk to a cleric. If you're a Christian, talk to a priest or a pastor. You know, if that gives you comfort and that helps you out, then, hey, cool, go for it. Well, there's also a flip side to it, Rick, where um, certain religious sects 
um, S-E-C-T-S. <laughs> Just to clarify, I wasn't saying religious sex. Um, Thank you. <laughs> although, you know, there, there's been some weird orgies. But that's for another that's for another episode. Anyway, right here on the Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talkie TV live footage. Anyway, so uh, bring the whole family. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, I I, I can I can attest to this personally, and it really it broke me in a way a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, About two years ago, I get a phone call from my uncle Walt. Now, I grew up, like you, in a very religious home, military home. My dad worked for the government. It was a strict upbringing. I'm not saying that in a negative way. It made me who I am. You know, it it made me respect people, uh, treat women good. You know, you know what I mean? I'm not complaining that that, that's how I was raised. Um, I'm glad I was raised that way to to appreciate things and earn what you get and that, that kind of thing. But. I had four uncles that were Baptist preachers, Rick. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and, you know, we attended church when I was young. And then when I think about the time I got to be 16, you know, I, I told my dad, I, I said, you know, man, this, this just isn't my jam dog, you know? And he said, well, you're at the age now. You, you, I think you're wrong is what he said to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't have to go anymore if you don't want to. So we flash forward to two years ago and Uncle Rick, I hadn't talked to in probably 25 years. Somehow got my phone number. I never I never understood how he got it. I never even asked. Um, Sorry, I'm trying not to sneeze. Uh, He calls me up, Stephen, it's your Uncle Walt. And I'm like, "Eh, Uncle Walt. Wow, I haven't talked to you in over two decades. He said, hey, I'm really concerned for you. and." I just, I felt like I needed to reach out and talk to you. Okay. Now this is a guy who has studied theology and, you know, everything in between very educated on it. Mm -hmm. He says, Stephen, are you worshiping the devil? I shit you not. I didn't know, you know? And, and I said, uh, no, what is, what is making you think that at first I thought he was going to come at with me, you know, all the metal music and you know all the horror movie stuff and no well, because bon i Def leopard because i investigate ghosts oh he was under the impression that my books were devil worshiping and i explained to him i said no uncle walt i i said somebody has a spiritual experience which i'm sure you can relate walt right and they asked me to look into it to validate it or not it has nothing to do with the devil well you're dealing with things you shouldn't be dealing with is what he told me and Mm -hmm. and you know the conversation went on a little bit more and a little bit more but he got off the phone thinking that if you're involved in paranormal research you are going against god and i the last thing i'd said to him i was like uncle walt do you realize that what i do could actually prove what you claim to believe You know, paranormal research, there's a fine line there. It could prove divine intervention. Yeah, sure. You know, it could, you know, but it had, and what bothered me about it the most, Rick, was the fact that I've been pretty outspoken as far as not being a religious person my entire life. 
Mm-hmm. And and I've been very outspoken of not believing in demons and the devil and anything tied to religion. So why in hell would you think I'm worshiping the devil? That's pretty presumptuous. Yeah. Yeah. That's and we had, you know, that was the only time we talked and, and it's just like, this is what religion thinks. You're, you're trying to take something that essentially you're brainwashing people into believing. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to come at me who's trying to offer truth, not belief, truth. That really rattled me, man. I, I didn't like that. Having somebody in my family that that's what they thought or still do. Sounds familiar. Been there, done that. But yep. yeah, I mean, let's with that, with all that being said, let's take a look at where the big three religions of the world come down. I mean, literally billions of people. Um, believe in one of these, you know, religions, Christianity, Islam, Judaism, and, you know, kind of want to look at where it is that they come from. So we're going to start with the one that our listeners would probably be the most familiar with, the Christian tradition, according to ghosts, the afterlife, that kind of thing. So now the book of Hebrews in the New Testament, it pretty much like states this. This is Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. And it is appointed unto men once to die, but after that, the judgment. So that right there kind of brings you to the point that, okay, there is no such thing as an afterlife other than heaven or hell. Heaven for people who believed in the Lord. Heaven for people who believed in Jesus. Hell for people who did not. So, I mean, that, that kind of sucks. And what but- an asshole move. <laughs> what an I mean, seriously, what an asshole move. Doesn't that really make you kind of think like, what kind of God are you? If well, if I if I don't follow you, I'm I'm banned. <laughs> I'm banned because I don't follow you. I you kind of contradict like, the whole part the whole point of free will. Sounds like social media. <laughs> <laughs> right. But here's the interesting thing. Okay. So the word ghosts ghost is used 108 times mostly in the old testament correct the word is used quite a bit in the new testament but it's used in this in the in the concept of the holy ghost which of course being the um the spirit of god working in people and working in the world as well um One of those is from Matthew chapter 24, verses 25 through 26. This is where Jesus is walking on the water. Okay, cool trick, right? But while his followers are in the boat, they become very afraid, and they think that he is a ghost. And that they actually use the word ghost. He's like, you know, fear not, it is I, the son of God, whatever. I believe it's used again later on after Jesus rose from the grave and he visits his followers and they think, again, he's a ghost. But the concept of ghosts and the afterlife um, are totally separate from, you know, anything in Christianity. It's like you die, it's either heaven or hell and there's nothing else. I mean, the book of Hebrews really lays that out. Yeah. And, and, you know, that kind of leads me to, to something you've heard me say probably a dozen times over. It continues to baffle me. The, the contradiction, the, the, the contradictory 
that that goes with it because I have said and you have heard me say it the Christian Bible is the most paranormal book ever written dude hmm it is the most paranoid. We've got a guy who walks on water, a guy who came back from the dead, a guy who can turn water into wine, you know, let alone all this other incredible stuff. The These monsters we're supposed to believe in for Armageddon, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, this is some wild, heavy sci-fi shit. <laughs> yeah, and, exactly. and, and these people want to question us. See like, what well, you 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 you, wait, you 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 believe a, a dude can walk on water, and you're making fun of me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You 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 believe the guy? He, he was in a cave and he, and he came back from the dead. He came back from the dead, and and you you want to make fun of me? Mm-hmm. You, you you know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, it's it's a huge contradiction, bro. You're preaching to the choir, my brother. So, Reverend Lancaster. I love it. (laughs) Reverend Lancaster. So, next on our list is going to be Islam, which is one that people here in the West will be the least familiar with. Um, Muslims absolutely do not believe in ghosts. To Muslims, ghosts are contradictory to Islam and the Quran because they come you know, down on this the same way Christianity does. It's like you die and that's it. So sorry about that. I had my notes here because this this was one that I really had to look up. Now, according to the Quran and the Hadith, um, this is what happens when you die. The angel of death comes down and extracts your soul. Okay. The soul... Oh, wait a minute. Angels wrap the soul and then carry it back to the grave. The soul is then asked questions of the grave. I, I couldn't find where what these what these questions are. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking it's probably like an individual. Well, it's good. They don't want anybody cheating. Yeah. They'll, they'll Google so, the answers. Right. Um, and then they remain there until resurrection day. So that is basically the soul that in, in Islam, that there is, there is no such thing as ghosts, um, but there are such things as, de- as demons and other spirits. And one of those spirits that they believe in is actually a pre-Islamic um, spiritual being. And that, of course, is the jinn. Yes, or, I like the jinn. Yeah, the, the, the jinn are, are pretty cool. And um, so the jinn not really demons uh they were created by allah from smokeless fire okay um jinns who disbelieve or rebelled became the followers of iblis um which is kind of like the islamic version of satan um iblis and rebellious jinn whisper in men's ear to lead them to hellfire okay so basically islam has borrowed from the Old Testament Christian Bible, where it talks about how how Isaiah said, and I watched as Satan fell from the sky like lightning. Okay, so we have that origin story there of Satan, except, you know, it's just, you know, of different names because, you know, different culture. But, you know, again, they don't believe in ghosts. There is no room 
for ghosts in Islam and in Christianity. It's like you die, that's it, you're done. So thoughts. Now, nah, I mean, that's almost along the lines of where my head is. You know, I, I again, you know, ghost. And it's funny, as I say that, I'm looking on my screen and I'm seeing holzers, ghosts. I'm seeing my license plate up there. It says ghosts. Everything is ghosts around here. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I tell people, yeah, you die, you become maggot food worm food whatever but i'm i'm a believer in that well I, I don't even want to use the word believe i know energy is infinite because science has taught me that mm -hmm. energy is infinite that bioelectrical makeup that we are that electricity goes somewhere when we die it changes form into something that is scientific fact right. you know religion will have you believe that's uh your soul you know whatever but ghosts, I, I, the, the thing about the if I could talk right this morning, Islamic beliefs is they kind of do it just not by our definition, mm -hmm. because when you're, when you're saying an entity is spiritual, you know, there's a fine line there. I mean, right. it's a fucking ghost, dude. You know, you can call it what you want to call it, but the the uh, main definition that's accepted around the world is a fucking ghost. That's mm -hmm. what it is. They're just calling it something different. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I thought the same thing, too. Um, it's just it, it's kind of like um, it's kind of gets lost in translation as well as in cultural differences. But now Judaism, on the other hand, Judaism of the big three is probably the one that is most liberal on the idea of ghosts. Um, according to the Zohar, which is the um, it's, it's, it's a book of mysticism basically. And it's used uh, real heavily in, um, in Kabbalist and um, in, in the Kabbalah which again is Jewish mysticism. And there are three things that happens with the soul, according to the Zohar. Um, one, the soul enters the mystery of the infinite one. So basically you die, you stand before God immediately. Um, I'm assuming the infinite one means, you know, God um, or Yahweh. Um, next comes the soul remains to comfort those who mourn. So I found that one very interesting because it could take a very long time for the soul to comfort somebody, um, which would, you know, of course, be a haunting. Mm -hmm. That could very well be a haunting. And then three, the soul enters Gan Eden or Eden, Garden of Eden, um, paradise. This is where they go when they live out, you know, the rest of eternity. Um, you know, waiting for the end of times. So right there, according to the Zohar, um, Judaism is very liberal on the idea of ghosts. Um, now, they also believe not just in ghosts, but in spiritual beings as well. So we are, we're very familiar with the Dybbuk. Mm-hmm. You know, on this show, I mean, we've mm -hmm. we've talked about the Dybbuk box and how it turns out to be completely phony. Right. Okay. But the Jewish people do believe in the Dybbuk. 
Um, it is something that it's a spiritual being. It is a ghost. Um, a divic is a ghost that sticks around after death to either possess for malicious purposes or to punish a person for some kind of sin. So again, this is Judaism saying we believe in ghosts. Thoughts? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's not much to, to say to it. Uh, again, belief. It's, yeah, we believe in this. We believe in that. You know, I know it. So I had a really interesting, probably the best conversation I ever had with a person of religion was a Methodist preacher. And Methodists, like like you said, with Judaism, is uh, very they're very laid back. Yeah, they're very, very liberal. Yeah, very open to all sorts of possibilities. And I'll never forget this conversation because it meant the world to me. That um, I'm not going to say his name. I was dating his daughter. Um, this was back in college, and um, him and I we we would go to concerts together. I mean, he he was just a cool dude. He he was like the girl's dad. I just clicked with him. We would jam together. You know, he, he was a musician, too. And uh, we were coming back from a concert and he knew I was involved in, in paranormal research and that kind of thing, investigating. And he said, you know, Stephen, he said, I know where you stand on on religion. And he said, I'm going to tell you, man. You would be a damn fool to believe that I believe everything that's in that book. He said there were many times I have looked my looked at myself in the mirror and thought I was a damn idiot. He said, because none of it's proven. And, and this is a guy who preaches and still still to this day does um, at a Methodist church. And, and, you know, he says he's he's very and he tells people, you know, this is what it says. Believe what you want to believe. Now, he's not like preaching it as gospel, preaching it as the truth. He's preaching it as a um, choice. Sure. You know, which I really admired that. I, I thought that that was really cool because he was so open and curious as to what I did. And that was back then. You know, that was back when I was 19, 20 years old, mm -hmm. you know, half of what I am now. And to hear him say these things. Like he, he's like, like, I remember he, he even brought in a, a rock. He's like, if you look at that rock sitting over there, that rock could be something we don't know what it is. We don't know just because our science tells us it's a rock. It could be something else. Yeah. You know, I mean, he was very, very cool, dude. So not everybody, I, I guess the point I'm getting at is not everybody in religion is um, so narcissistic or, or so ego driven. Um, they're not all like that. You know, so sure. I, I don't want this episode to come across like, bam, we're slamming religion and everybody that believes. No, we're just we're discussing all the different variations of religion around the world and how it does or does not tie to the realm of paranormal research. Sure. Um, you know, and, you know, I wanted to, you know, cover these things as well, because it's important. Um, there are more ghosts and spirits, um, according to uh, Jewish mysticism. Um so in the late 16th century, and I hope I'm pronouncing his, his name correctly, Rabbi Chaim ben Joseph Vito, in his teachings, um, he coined a phrase for a ghost, and it's pronounced Ru'ah Ra'ah, um, R-U-A-H-R-A-H-R-A-H-R-A-H-R-A-H-R-A-H-R-A-H-R-A-H-R-A-H-R-A-H-R-A-H-R-A-H-R-A-H-R-A-H
A-H. And basically what that means is that means evil wind. This is a ghost of a human that has malicious intent. Okay. But there are also demonic spirits as well. There is the mazikin, which where we get the word mannequin from. Mm-hmm. Um, the, Shah- the Shadim, the Lilin, and the Ruhat. All of these are demonic spirits while not being followers of state. So I know that that might you know sound kind of strange to some people, but these are not fallen angels. These are just like energy that does not have the best intentions for mankind. They are apart from this. Yeah. So you know that's that that's you know where we uh, ended here with you know talking about religion and how it pertains to the paranormal and how the big three. Um, come 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 down on the subject. So, um, you know, Stephen, do you got any you know, any final thoughts concerning this? The only thing I will say is it it's all in how you present yourself, my friends that that are out there listening to us. Again, believe what you want to believe. We're not judging you for that at all. Right. But there but there's a time and place and purpose for things. You know, and and when you're talking about you can't contradict this field and that's what's being done. You have on one hand, ah, we're trying to do this for the betterment of science. We're trying to prove that ghosts do really exist, that there is something beyond uh, the flesh and blood of our human body. But then on the other hand, you're trying to say it's all biblical and it's infallible. You know, you can't you can't do that. So really step back and think, you know, and this this almost goes back to our initial topic at the at the top of the show. You know, you, you've got to this is why you don't find us old guys, the OGs of, of paranormal research um, as far as uh, the commercial side of it, you, you know, bowing down and jumping on the bandwagon that started in 2002 or the early 2000s whenever it was uh 2004 something like that i don't know um because we just can't support that because it's not there's just too many contradictions keep it out of it keep it out of it you know you can't say jesus built my emf detector Mm -hmm. you know you just can't you can't bring it into it and and again i don't mind like I said, that's why I assembled the team I assembled, Rick, was so I had all, all of this diversity and, and all this different education. But in the end, I was doing my job the way I was going to do it. Yes, right. my colleagues could come to me and they could say, I think this is a demon. I think they're dealing with a demon. Okay, that's fine. Let me show you what I ultimately it's my case file that they get. you know and and i put everything that my investigators say in there this is what they believe this is what they're thinking here is my end assessment on it you know so i i I offer it up but never would i ever say it's 100 deriving from a christian demon or, or you know you just can't do that you can't use something that's never been proven to prove something that's never been proven I think that is a fair thing to say. So moving right along, moving past this, uh, you know, I, I guess what some people may think is a uncomfortable topic to cover 
in no matter what context you're covering it in. So I got a, we got a really cool creature for you guys this week on Creature of the Week. And I get to, Stephen, I get to tie this one in with News of the Weird. Which, tie it, baby. Which is really cool. So as you remember on the last show, we talked about the Megalodon. Megalodon was a real creature that existed. Some people still think that it exists even today, although it's been gone for, you know, number of millions couple million years this creature has not it has it went extinct back in the 1930s and of course one of my one of many people favorite creature in cryptozoology is the thylacine I love the thylacine. Um, it's a cool looking animal. It looks like a dog, but it's a marsupial. Mm -hmm. And they call it the Tasmanian tiger because it's got stripes on its rear end. Now, here's the thing about the Tasmanian tiger or the thylacine. The thylacine went extinct back in the 1930s. The last one was kept in kept what they believe to be the last one kept in captivity was kept in captivity at the Hobart Zoo in Tasmania. Uh, where it eventually died in 1936. But there have been over 200 sightings of thylacines in the wild. And I'm not just talking like, you know, some old and decrepit old thylacine that's on its verge of death. No, people have seen actual puppies of this creature. And um, so people still believe that this thing is wandering around. And I've never been to Australia. I've never been to New Zealand and I've never been to Tasmania, but these, these areas of the world, these regions are still very wild. Mm -hmm. There is a lot of uh, forested areas, mountainous areas where something like this could easily still exist. Um, and this is one of the reasons I love the thylacine so much because it's one of those creatures that did exist and could possibly still exist. You know, Stephen, what, what are your thoughts on our creature of the week, the thylacine? No, I think it's a great pick, man. I, I've, uh, I, I don't know. I can't remember. And it was killing me, but I, I had done something with this creature years ago for something. I don't know. Maybe I talked about it on a radio show. I, I don't remember because yeah, it, really in the grand scheme of things it wasn't that long ago this thing was roaming the earth yeah and it's still very possible because people need to realize there is more to this world than the screen that you're staring at right now and there are areas on this planet many areas that human beings have never set foot on it's still a very big world in the ocean on land there are places we have never been and who knows what is there? I mean, you're always reading some fucking article about something in Alaska or Antarctica that they're pulling out of the ice from a mile below of an organism we didn't even know existed. Right. You know, so it's it's not that hard to to believe that there there are these things. I mean, they discover species every day. You know, there's a reason that phrase is said, because it's true now. When we get into your news of the weird, I have a lot to say about that. But needless to say, it is a, a cool, cool creature. And, and I don't know if I would call it a crypto creature, but 
I, I don't know. It's just a bizarre creature. Right. And, you know, and, and how did this animal become extinct? You know, a lot of, you know, this is, this is, this is a fairly recent um, animal that became extinct. So climate change was a big one. Um, and they believed this animal, although it was very reserved and very retiring because it had sort of a fierce appearance, they believed that it was, um, attacking people and attacking people's children and carrying the children away, but that's not the case at all. This was a, a creature that sort of kept to itself and didn't really bother anybody. But so I get to tie this into news of the weird, which is great. So here, like I, you know, the introduction, you know, here at the shadow initiative, paranormal talking TV, we like to cover those stories that somehow don't really get the fair shake that they should in the mainstream media. This is one of them. So this comes to us from CNN. Uh, scientists plan the resurrection of an animal that's been extinct since 1936. Almost 100 years after its extinction, the Tasmanian tiger may live once again. Scientists want to resurrect the, resurrect the striped carnivorous marsupial, officially known as a thylacine, which used to roam the Australian bush. The ambitious project will harness advances in genetics and ancient DNA retrieval and artificial reproduction to bring back this animal. We would strongly advocate that first and foremost, we need to protect our biodiversity from further extinction but unfortunately, we are not seeing a slowing down in species loss, said Andrew Pask, a professor at the University of Melbourne and head of its thylacine integrated genetic restoration research lab. That's a lot to talk there. <laughs> that's, that's a mouthful. And he is so leading said, this. <laughs> I knew it was coming. That's why I said, check out, buddy. That's what she said. This technology offers a chance to correct this and could be applied in exceptional circumstances where cornerstone species have been lost, he added. The project is a collaboration with Colossal Biosciences, or Biosciences, founded by tech entrepreneur Ben Lamb and Harvard Medical School geneticist George Church, who are working on an equally ambitious, if not bolder, $15 million project to bring back the woolly mammoth in an altered form. About the size of the coyote, the thylacine disappeared around 2,000 years ago, virtually everywhere except the Australian island of Tasmania as the only marsupial apex predator that lived in modern times. It played a key role in its ecosystem, but that also made it unpopular with humans. European settlers, it goes into how, you know, they're like, oh, they, this, is, this is bad news, so we're going to get rid of it. So yeah, so that's basically it in a nutshell. Now, they plan on bringing these creatures back by using cloning, essentially. Um, from what I understand that there are several movies, an entire series of movies on why this could potentially be a bad idea, you know, bringing back these uh, species that, you know, they want to bring back the woolly mammoth. They want to bring back the thylacine. They want to bring back this, uh, this frog. I can't remember the, uh, I think it was called the uh, gut brooding frog or something like that. They want to bring back these species, but I've also heard of more radical ideas of bringing back dinosaurs, like in the Jurassic uh, movies. And um, 
it's like, hey, you know, I, I'm a nerd. I would love to see a thylacine in the zoo. I would love to see the woolly mammoth. Um, but is it a good idea bringing it back? I, I you know, I, I kind of like what, you know, uh, Jeff Goldberg's character had to say, you know, could we bring it back when you really should be talking about talking about should we be doing this kind of thing? And, you know, and it's and he's right. Should we be playing God in this respect? Yes. Jeff Goldblum. Ian Malcolm from Jurassic a, Park. You know, I'm, I'm a huge Jeff Goldblum fan. I, I, yeah. I will you all were so preoccupied with whether or not you could you didn't stop to think if you should exactly and so i mean should we i mean yeah we can the technology is there but should we well allow me to give you my very unfavorable opinion that's probably going to get me shot stop fucking with mother nature okay mother nature runs the show motherfuckers leave her alone okay i have a problem and it's not just with animals extinct animals it's with human beings too humans have fucked everything up okay and and this is a very unpopular opinion but i i think our world would be in a better state if we would have just left the initial plan alone mm-hmm if we'd have left the initial plane alone. And, and what I mean it by that is we came to this country and took it over from the Native Americans. They are the ones that belonged here. Mm-hmm. The earth put the Native Americans here. This was their area. Okay. Australia, Europe, Japan, Alaska, you know, Eskimos, whatever. Okay. We are all human beings, but we are all designed to adapt to the environment that Mother Nature put us in. Right. Okay. That's why Eskimos look the way they do. That's why African-Americans look the way they do. That's why Asians look the way they do. It's not necessarily a biological thing. It's an environmental thing. Mm -hmm. And we fucked all that up by putting us all together. That wasn't how Mother Nature intended it. If Mother Nature intended us to all be together, we would have all been together. Instead, assholes come along and we're taking this from you. We're taking this from you. We're shipping you over here. You know, leave Mother Nature alone. If Mother Nature says it's time for this creature to stop roaming the earth, that means it's time for this creature to stop roaming the earth. Okay, Mm -hmm. don't fuck with that. Okay, that is a God complex. That is, I I think it's neat. I think it's interesting. I think cloning could have a benefit in some circumstances. Like, let's use you, Rick. Okay, cloning would be fantastic. If you know what, they could have cloned your leg and replaced it. Oh, yeah. That would have been fantastic. And I think they have the potential to do that, Mm -hmm. you know, but that's not cloning another Rick, you know, but it's like grafting a body part. I think we could do that. If we can clone two sheep, we could have cloned your damn leg. Well, yeah. And it it could also be used to feed the world. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, 
you know, unfortunately, it's another one of those, there's more money in killing than there is in making life go on. Um, that's the sad part of it. But yeah, I mean, I, I just, I, I really do agree with you in that there's just, leave Mother Nature alone. And like you said, if it was time for these creatures to stop roaming the earth, it was time for them to stop roaming the earth. Because I, I swear to God, I don't want to, I, I can't run anyways. I do not want to be running away from a T-Rex, you know, in the uh, down Michigan Avenue or something like that. Well, the thing about it is, is what, I just don't get what the point of that would be. You know, we can watch movies, we can read books, we can learn all we want to know. I was so obsessed with dinosaurs when I was a kid, man, and archaeology and, and all that stuff. I know all there is to know. I don't need to go see one held in captivity because one, these creatures weren't made to be in captivity. Right. First off, I just don't see this ending. Well, don't you you're just no. the point. Don't go against nature, man. I agree. So, and to wrap up uh, the show, finally, I know it's just so excited. Uh, we have Ghost Watch. And today we're going to be taking another trip across the pond over to the United Kingdom to one of its most famous haunts and what some people would think to be the most haunted place in all of the United Kingdom. And that, of course, is in Woten Under Edge, the ancient Ram Inn. I'm Raquel, and this is Ghostwatch. When you first look upon the ancient ram, uh, ancient ram, and you really can't help but think, wow, this place appears as if it could come down at any moment. However, I assure you that it is just as sturdy as the day it was built in 1145 CE, and it has quite the history as well. Originally built as a place for travelers to get a bite to eat and a flagon of ale, the ram unfortunately attracted a criminal element as well. Infamous and deadly roadside criminals called highwaymen would frequent the ram as a place to plot robberies and scope out which travelers would be easiest to separate from their earthly possessions. Many researchers believe that this criminal activity contributed to the psychic unrest of this building. What they didn't realize was the cause of the hauntings went back much further into the ancient myths of England's past. In 1968, John Humphreys bought the property and saved the building from being torn down. It was not long after Mr. Humphreys moved in that the terrifying ghostly activity began and the unsettling reasons behind the haunting came to light. It was discovered that the ancient Ram Inn was constructed over an ancient pagan ritual and burial ground. It was further discovered that the site the Ram was built on was used for human sacrifice. Many believe this is one of the reasons behind the hauntings of the ancient Ram Inn. This leaves us with the question, who are the many ghosts said to haunt this building? Over the years, the Ram has been investigated by TV paranormal reality shows, British as well as American, and some great evidence has been captured here. The Beaufort Room is said to be inhabited by the spirit, spiritual form of a giant black cat. The cat has been witnessed by many visitors and it is said to hiss and spit at anyone who enters the room. 
The bishop room is said to be the most haunted room in this amazingly haunted home. The ghost of a giant monk in a black robe has been witnessed in the room and is known for being exceptionally angry. He is said to force anyone that dares enter his room to their knees. Not a room for the faint of heart. Malicious poltergeist activity is said to take place here. A few visitors have had large items thrown at them by some invisible force, sometimes resulting in injury. Black shadowy figures have been seen darting in and out of rooms, and the specter of a witch is said to appear and viciously scratch or hit people. Although all of these ghosts are terrifying, there is one spirit that stands out among the rest, a demonic spirit called the succubus. Mr. Humphreys, the owner of the home, reported that one night as he was sleeping, he was viciously pulled from his bed and dragged across the room. Many others have reported being attacked and even sexually assaulted by this inhuman entity. And no matter where you go in the house, no one is safe from this sinister creature. Surprisingly, John Humphreys still resides in the ancient Ram Inn, despite all of the malevolent supernatural activities said to happen here. Is he crazy? Some have asked this rather rude question, but Mr. Humphreys stays in this grade two listed historical landmark simply because he loves the building. And John Humphreys is all too happy to share his room with any ghost hunter brave enough to spend the night. I'm Rick Hale, and this was Ghost Watch. So, you know, Stephen, I just wanted to add it into that. Unfortunately, fairly recently, we lost... Uh, Mr. Humphreys, who, you know, was a very eccentric individual. He did pass away and he left the home to his daughter, from what I understand. But this is one of those places that is absolutely on my hit list if I ever make it over to the United Kingdom. Hey, I'm all for ramen. <laughs> I know. Hey, you, you know. You listeners at home that have been following us since day one, first off, I apologize. Secondly, do you notice that just about everything Rick brings to the table has some kind of sexual overtone to it? Yeah, I think at our first show, I was talking about dead hookers, right? Dead hookers, secret satanic sex cults, you know, mice moving balls. I mean, it's, it's out of hand with this kid. It's out of hand with him. God, you're going to make me sound like a degenerate, dude. No, you, you do that yourself. <laughs> but, but with that being said, guys, I'm going to keep saying it until we get our fucking hits back. We are still here. We are still around. We had to switch distributors, and it was the best possible move we could have fucking made. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's a better distributor. Um, it's half the cost of what we were putting out to begin with, and it's actually uh, put us in areas that we weren't even in before. Um, we're killing it on fucking iTunes. Why? I don't know. But we are killing it on iTunes. Guys, you go to shadowinitiativetv.com. That'll take you everywhere you need to be. That'll lead you to our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash welcome to the initiative. You can reach out to us directly through there. You can email us at shadowinitiativetalk at gmail.com. We want to hear your opinions on everything. We're very accessible. Right. You know, if there's something that we said during a show and you want to 
throw in a rebuttal or you want to offer a different perspective and you'd like to share it on the show, we're more than happy to do that. Rick likes doing his little stories from people, you know, and, and there for a while we were getting quite a few coming through the door of people mm-hmm. wanting to share their stories with us. So you can do that. You can email Rick directly at Facebook. You can hit us on our Facebook page or email us shadow initiative talk at gmail.com. Tell us your story. We'll, we'll get it on here or bring you on here. Um, but we are still out there and we're back on YouTube. We've got the video version of the show back. We've got the podcast version um, I think because uh, I'm still getting emails, man. Oh, your your Apple or Apple Music and Amazon Music isn't updating with the new episodes. What's going on, guys? You're on our old profiles. I know it's a pain in the ass, but go to our Facebook or go to our website, and you can find the exact link to where it's all being distributed now. Right. So yeah, you know, thank you everybody for listening, and thank you for watching. Um, hope I hope we didn't rattle too many cages with this. Uh, I hope we did. Episode. I know you do. Um, you are not quite as diplomatic as I am. <laughs> no, I'm just honest. Yeah. So, hey, thanks again for everybody for listening. And again, if you got a story to tell, hit us up. We'll talk about it on air and we may even bring you on. So, hey, you know, Stephen, thanks for another great show. Another great show, my man. I'll be talking to you soon. Thanks, guys. All right, bye. <laughs>